welcome to the NLCC Lancaster Podcast. The following message is titled, Trusting God, and was spoken by Pastor Gary Keller. We hope and pray this message blesses your life. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit us at nlcclancaster.com. Psalm 20, verse 7. Some trust in chariots, and some in horses. But we will remember the name of the Lord our God. The TPT translation goes like this. Some find their strength in their weapons and wisdom. But my miracle deliverance can never be won by men. Our boast is in the Lord God who makes us strong and gives us victory. I preach today from this thought, trusting God. In a time like this, time of loss, the time of sickness, the time of need, the times that we live in, not only in America but around the world. May it always be on our currency in God we trust, but we truly must trust in God. You may be seated. Throughout history, empires and kingdoms have risen to great pinnacles of power only to vanish into an abyss. It would have been easy in 1035 BC for a powerful king like David to place his confidence and trust in his arsenal such as chariots and horses. In reality, it would have been expected for a brilliant general like David to indeed trust in his strategy, rely on his plan, depend upon his own strength when facing conflict, confrontation, and warfare with the enemies of Israel. Actually, it would have have been easy for King David to place his trust in his mighty men who protected him and guarded over him day and night. However, David lived his life under the discipline of trusting God in all things. From killing a bear to taking down a lion and notwithstanding eliminating a giant by the name of Goliath, David always put his confidence and trust in God. And he knew that the strength and the might of Israel was not in their weaponry, but in their worship. He knew that the strength of Israel would not be in their firepower, but it would be in God's power, which would protect them and stop every enemy from coming against them. Causing David to pen these words in Psalm 27, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked, even my enemies and my foes, come upon me to eat up my flesh, they stumbled and fell, though an host should camp in camp against me. My heart shall not fear, though war should rise against me, and this will I be confident. One thing have I desired of the Lord, and that 
will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life and to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For in the time of trouble, this is why David trusted in God. In the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret of his tabernacle shall he hide me. He shall set me up on a rock. David knew that it was God alone who preserves nations and protects individuals and defends families. He understood it in so much that he penned these words in Psalm 127 and one, except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh but in vain. David understood the importance. Of course he was a great general. Of course he had strategy. Of course he knew how to lead men to war. But he never forgot that he needed God in every hour, in every circumstance. And in this house of worship this morning, we know that it is the Lord Jesus Christ who delivers and defends and preserves us. The questions are, whom do you trust this morning? And where lies your confidence this morning? And I come to this holy desk to admonish you to place your trust and your confidence in Jesus Christ right now before you walk out those doors. Put your confidence and faith in him. Trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ is unique in that it takes you one step beyond faith. Trust takes a child of God to a deeper dimension than their faith will ever take them. And I can tell you, if I'm going to be honest this morning, I can tell you that through the years as I have pastored in several circumstances in Michigan and Ohio, that I have dealt with people in their dilemma. I have counseled people in their confusion. I have tried to give guidance in their time of uncertainty. I have sought for God and his direction in their perplexity. I have attempted to encourage people in their bewilderment. I've given advice to people in the times of disorder, only to find out that none of the above could or would benefit them because of one thing. And that one thing is this, they did not trust God. But listen again to Psalm 27. Some find their strength in their weapons and wisdom, but my miracle deliverance can never be won by men. Our boast is in the Lord God who makes us strong and gives us victory. So some do trust in chariots and some in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. You see this morning, and I believe I have a message from the Lord for you today, where you place your trust will either bring you victory or defeat. Who and what you trust in will either bring good or evil into your life. Trusting God will always draw you closer to him. 
Not trusting God will cause you inevitably to be driven further from him. And you might as well and I might as well accept the scripture that says that there's going to be turmoil and perplexity in the last day. And in life you're going to face tribulations and trials and tests and turmoil and chaos and disorder and confusion and unrest. And as you strive for spirituality, you might as well prepare for a challenge to come your way from the spirit of the age and the spirit of the antichrist and the spirit of iniquity that now works. As a matter of fact, your enemy does not want you to remember that it was the Lord who brought you out of the miry clay. David said, some trust in chariots and some in horses, but I will remember that it was God who brought me out. Satan does not want you to remember that it was the Lord Jesus Christ who healed you. He doesn't want you to remember that it was the Lord who blessed you and kept you and delivered you and anointed you and sanctified you and justified you and delivered you and filled you with the Holy Ghost. It was the Lord God who changed you. It's the Lord God who made you what you are today and he still can, hallelujah. He's still able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. Now there's a scripture that I want to share with you that it's, you would almost want to call it a twin or a sister scripture to our text that we found in Psalm 20 and verse 7. This is Isaiah 31 and 1. Woe to them that go down to Egypt for help. In other words, not looking to God, not trusting God, not anchoring your soul in the word, Woe unto them that go down to Egypt among the heathen, among the aliens, and stay on horses and trust in chariots. No wonder David wrote what he wrote. No wonder David said, I will remember the Lord my God. Because they are many. Why are you trusting in them? Because they have numbers. And in horsemen, because they are very strong. But they look not unto the Holy One of Israel, neither seek the Lord. I think that is a perfect depiction of our world on this Sunday morning. I think you and I can draw a parallel from our newspaper and the news to see that we are now going down to Egypt for help. We are staying on horses and trusting in chariots why? Because it seems what, like the multitude is doing that and the crowd is doing that. We trust in the horsemen because they are very strong. We don't look to the Holy One of Israel, neither do we seek the Lord. But it did not change David. David said some may trust in chariots and they may trust in horses, but I'm not going to forget my God. As you trust in the Lord Jesus Christ this morning, there are three things that I want you to see in the next verse that I will read for you, and that is this. Number one, when you trust him, he will defend you. Number two, he will deliver you. And number three, he will preserve you. Just four verses later, after this great statement of negativity toward God goes out 
and they are saying, we're going to Egypt for help. We're gonna trust in the chariots and the horses. They're strong, they're many. We're not looking to God. But the Lord begins to speak to Israel and says, that may be the path that the world takes, but my people know my name. My people know that I am with them. And the Lord said this to Israel. It's almost like God was saying, let me encourage you. I know the way the world is going. I know the shift that is on. I know how they're walking away from me. I know that they're determined to do it in their own might and strength. But let me remind you, Israel, as birds flying, so will the Lord of hosts defend Jerusalem. In defending, he will also deliver Jerusalem. And passing over, he will preserve Jerusalem. In this one scripture, the Lord is saying, I am your God, I am your Savior, I will defend you, I will deliver you, I will preserve you. The Lord of hosts will defend Jerusalem. But not only has he promised to defend Jerusalem, he promised to deliver Jerusalem. Not only will he defend and deliver Jerusalem, but he has promised to preserve Jerusalem. And Jesus Christ is here in this house of worship this morning to defend everyone. You might say, Pastor, you don't know what I'm up against. You don't know what I'm facing. You don't know what the doctors have said. You don't know what my financial situation is. You don't know my spiritual climate. You don't know, oh, let me just tell you this. I've come to tell you that God is here today to defend you regardless of what the accusations of the enemy might be. Jesus is here to defend you. That's why I take you to Deuteronomy 31 and six. Be strong, be of good courage. Fear not, nor be afraid of them. For the Lord thy God, it is he that goeth with thee. He will not fail thee, nor forsake you. I'm gonna tell somebody tonight, today, exactly what the Lord wants you to know in the darkness of your night, and that is that the Lord Jesus Christ is here to defend you. And may I tell you and remind you that the scripture tells us he controls the enemy with a finger. He points and the devil has to go. He controls the enemy with his countenance. He just looks at the enemy and he has to go. And may I remind you that that same God is inside of you and greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. You've got the defending power of God on your side this morning. Not only does he defend us according to Deuteronomy chapter 31, but according to Isaiah 12 and 2, Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust. Hallelujah. I will trust and not be afraid. For the Lord Jehovah is my strength and my song. He also has become my salvation. Hallelujah. May I tell somebody today he's here to defend you. In Psalm chapter 27 and 1, the Lord is my light and salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? So the first thing we have to establish is that if God 
would look at a generation that chose to trust in the horses and chariots of Egypt. And if he said to his people, don't follow them back to Egypt. Don't get your strength there. Put your confidence in me. And if he spoke to Israel that I'm here to defend you, deliver you, and preserve you, I've got news for somebody on this Sunday morning. He is here this morning in this house to do the same thing. He is here to defend you. He is here to deliver you. He is here, hallelujah, to preserve you in Jesus' name. Watch this now. Jesus is our deliverer. He said, I'll defend you, but not only will I defend you, I will deliver you. Now, one of my favorite scriptures that you've heard over and over again, and I bring it to you again on this Sunday morning without reservation. It's 2 Corinthians chapter one. It's such a powerful There is more in this short verse. There's more packed in here than you can hardly believe. It's chapter one of 2 Corinthians, verse number 10. Who delivered us from so great a death? He delivered us from a sinful past. He delivered us from so great a death and death deliver. Not only has he delivered, but he does deliver. In whom we trust that he will yet deliver us. So Paul was saying, God has delivered me. God is delivering me and God's going to deliver me. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And what he has done, he can do. And what he is doing, he shall do. There's no variableness, neither shadow of turning in him. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And if there's one scripture in the book of Corinthians that absolutely mirrors our salvation, it has to be this verse. This powerful verse mirrors our salvation in that we have been saved from sin. We are presently being saved from this untoward generation and we will be saved from the wrath to come. Can I tell somebody right now that the God that overshadowed Israel is the God that's overshadowing you today and your family and your situation and your future, it's under the canopy of God and God will defend you, God will deliver you and God will preserve you. He's our preserver, hallelujah. He will preserve you. Everyone say, preserve me, Lord. First Peter chapter one and verse five, who are kept. Everyone say kept. That's preserved. We are kept. Who are kept what? By the power of God through faith unto salvation. Why? Ready to be revealed in the last day. Not only are we kept by the power of God, but if you go to Ephesians chapter one, you will find verse 11 starts this exhortation from the word this way, in whom also we have obtained an inheritance, an inheritance being predestined according to, according to the purpose of him that, uh, according to the purpose of him 
who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will, that we should be to the praise of his glory, who first trusted in Christ, in whom ye also trusted, after that ye have heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after you believed, watch this now, we are preserved, how are we preserved? We are preserved because we are sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession under the praise of his glory. I'm simply telling you this, that you and I are sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. When you repented of your sins, when you was buried in the waters of baptism in the powerful name of the Lord Jesus Christ, when he filled you with his spirit, he sealed you by his spirit. Not only does he defend us and not only does he deliver us, but he absolutely will on this Sunday morning preserve us. Come on, devil, bring your best shot. I've been sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. You may get through my mind, you may touch my body, you may touch me every which way, but let me, just, let me just say this, you may touch me in my emotions, in my spirit, in my body, in my soul, but once I'm sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, none of those things will move me because he sealed me, he's kept me, he's delivered me, he's my God, he's my keeper. There is no devil in hell that can walk on the Jesus in me. I've been sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Therefore, I'm gonna praise God for the victory. The enemy of your soul does not want you to remember the day you repented. He doesn't want you to remember the moment the Lord washed away your sins in the powerful name of Jesus Christ. He doesn't want you to remember the victory, the anointing, the miracle deliverance that the Lord has bestowed upon your life. He doesn't want you to remember that Psalm 103, 12 is still relevant today. As far as the east is from the west, so hath he removed our transgressions from us. You can go north for only, you can go north so long until you start going south. You can go south for so long until you start going north but you can go east forever. You can just go east and go east and go east and go east. You can just go west and west and west and west, but you can't do that going north or south. God did not say, he did not say as far as the north is from the south, but he did say as far as the east is from the west, so hath he removed our transgressions from us. In other words, we never start going the old way again. We never start doing the things we used to do. We don't act the way we used to act. We keep walking in him. In him now I live. And in him I move. And in him I have my being. And I can just go on and there is no end. I wish somebody would receive that right now. There is no end to what God can do for you because you can go with him from now till eternity and never go the old way again.
Hallelujah, I'm a new creature in Christ Jesus. The enemy doesn't want you to know that neither is there salvation in any other for there's none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. He doesn't want you to know that. He doesn't want you to remember that. I choose in closing today, I choose to remember that when I repented of my sins, my sins were removed from me as far as the east is from the west. I choose. I choose to remember that when I was baptized in the all-powerful name of the Lord Jesus Christ, my sins were washed away forever. I choose to remember Simon Peter's sermon on the day of Pentecost. He said unto them, repent and be baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise is unto you, and the promise is unto your children and to them that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. So our text again goes like this. Some, some trust in chariots. Some trust in horses. But we will remember the Lord our God. And in remembering the Lord our God, he promises today that he will defend you. He will absolutely deliver you. And he will absolutely preserve you. And so the enemy of your soul, he wants you to remember your past. He wants you to remember what you used to be and how you used to live and what your life was like. But I'm so glad that the Lord saved you. I'm so glad that he saved me. I'm so glad there's a new man walking in my shoes. I'm so glad that I'm not the old person I used to be. I'm so glad that he's here today and he still defends me. He still delivers me. He still preserves me. We are kept by the power of God and the salvation. We are sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. And so in the midst of a lot of things going on right now, we trust him. We trust him. Hallelujah. When things are not going the way we thought they should, we trust him. That's what this message is about, trusting God. If David would lay aside his regal and royal position, he could have leaned on all of that. But he laid it all aside and said, nope, I'm just going to trust God. I trusted him when I was a boy taking care of the sheep. I trusted him in taking out the lion and the bear and Goliath. Now, now that I'm a king and I have armies and chariots and horses and mighty men of valor, David said, I'm not leaning on my own understanding. I'm gonna lean on him. I had a pastor friend of mine tell me, he said, he said, I saw our church and he said, I saw it grow financially. People were blessed and all of a sudden, with the blessings, 
it was Brother H. Ray Perry, Louisville, Kentucky. He said, and I preached for him way back when they were in a little storefront down by Churchill Downs. And now that church has a multi-million dollar facility. And Brother Perry said, I remember the great moves of God we used to have. He said, we still have moves of God. But he said, really, not the way I want it to be. And he said, I was standing on the front porch of our new building. And he said, I was mad. And he said, the reason I was mad is because there were some cars out there that leaked oil on our brand new parking lot. And he said, it was then the Lord told me, those are the people that still need me. They still depend on me. They still trust me. They have to have me to preserve them. Oh God, help us all not to be so blessed. And God wanted to bless David and took him from being a little shepherd boy to being a king and blessed him abundantly. But David found the secret that even when I am blessed, I will trust him. Not trusting in my chariots and horses. Hallelujah. See, when you don't have to trust him, then you just assume that he's there. And then things get in the way. Church becomes where it used to be first, second, now maybe third. Why? Why does that happen? Because maybe because we really don't have to trust him like we used to. I remember the miracles that I heard about. And I spent time on Monday with his granddaughter Alexa and Rebecca in Michigan. I remember the story of their grandfather who left Bedford, Indiana. He was a stone cutter in the in the area of Indiana called uh, Bedford, south of Bloomington. He left there and a good job to go to Lansing to start a church. Hebert Starr, one of my favorite all-time preachers, moved his three daughters and two sons and wife to Lansing, no job, the depression going on, had nothing, left it all behind. And he came home from work one evening and his wife, Eleanor said, Hebert, we have nothing in the cupboards. We have no food. We've got 500 children and there's no food in the house. It's all gone. And Brother Starr said to his wife, Eleanor, set the table. She put the plates out, the silverware, Call the kids to the table. He called Brother Starr, our superintendent, William R. Starr, and Jim Starr, and Sister Cornell, and Sister Stevens. 
They all, they, they, they were all little kids and they came around the table. And Brother Starr said, let's pray. Because when there is no welfare and there is nobody to bring you food and you've got hungry children, he called them to the table and said, let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the food that you're getting ready to provide. We thank you for the meal that's getting ready to be set before us. We thank you, Lord, that your eye is on the sparrow. You know exactly what we have need of. I don't know what prayer he prayed, but he prayed. And when he finished praying, Sister Cornell, Sister Stevens, Jim, William R. Starr, all attest to the fact that when their daddy stopped praying, there was a knock on the door. And when they got to the door, there was no one there, but there were bags of groceries on the front steps. Some trust in chariots. Some trust in horses. But we will remember the Lord our God. Bob Davis, you're my man. I know you're watching this morning. I know you're in Dallas, and I was there a month ago with you. And I know that this week, you got an unfavorable report from three doctors. But I'm telling you, Bob, some trust in chariots, some trust in horses, but we remember the Lord our God. Hallelujah. When, when, when you don't have anybody else to trust in, you can trust in him. Hallelujah. He'll make a way. He'll defend you. He'll deliver you. He'll preserve you. I've never seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. Never. Never seen it. Never seen it. Sister McCurry, husband died, had five, six kids. I grew up with them. They were my age. And Sister McCurry lived across the street from the church at 28th and Sherman Drive in Indianapolis, Indiana. And she said, Lord, we have no food. My kids will be hungry this evening when they come home from school. And the Lord spoke little, short, frail, so meek. If you were to talk, when you talk to Sister McCurry, she would talk to you like this, just so but we had testimony services back in those days. And she never testified. But I'll never forget the night that she got up to testify about what God did that week for her. She said, I was praying and we had nothing to eat. And she said, the Lord said, walk down to 30th and Sherman to the, to the grocery store, the IGA, and go down to the grocery store and it'll be all right. And in her testimony, she wasn't screaming loud like some of them used to do. And we all started our own song and testimony service. 
Church used to go for two and a half hours and about an hour and a half of that could have been cut out if we just didn't have testimony service. And so she stood up very meekly and said, as I was walking down Sherman Drive on the sidewalk, no money, on my way to the store, she said, I looked down and there was $5. Now that may not seem like much to you, but in 1964, 1965, that was a lot of money. And God provided. She had no, she had no one else to trust in. Some trust in chariots. Some trust in horses. But we will remember the Lord our God. Hallelujah. He's the one that makes a way. He's the one that supplies. Can I tell you how God turned $50? It's just us. Can I, let me tell you how God turned $50 into thousands of dollars. Thousands of dollars. 50 bucks. I was at a Lanny Wolf concert in Benton Harbor, Michigan, sitting in the balcony of Brother O'Haver's church. And I looked down on the main floor and there was a man I had met one time. His name was Paul Dennis Mooney from Muskegon, Michigan. I had met him one time. Carol Magruder introduced us. And I'm sitting in the balcony. I'm an evangelist. The pastors are supposed to take care of the evangelist. And God speaks to me and says, write Brother Mooney a check for $50. And I said, this is, he's the pastor. Maybe you meant to speak to him about writing me a check for $50. It was such a powerful impression that I took my checkbook out and I wrote a check, Paul Mooney, $50, and I didn't tear it out of my checkbook. I said, Lord, if that's really you, I'm leaving as soon as church is over. But if it's really you, just let me run into him. I came down from the steps of the balcony and came around the corner and we physically ran into each other. And I go, oh God. And I said to Brother Mooney, the Lord, now 50 bucks was a lot of money in 1974. I said, the Lord told me to give you this. And Brother Mooney did this. The Lord told you? I said, yes, sir. He said, I don't need it, but if the Lord told you, thank you. I heard my daughter. I gave him the $50. He walks away. I walk away. Okay, it's done. About three weeks later at the Michigan District Camp, I pull into the camp in my 1972 Pinto. I had an AM radio as the only option on it. It cost brand new $2,025. And I pulled into the camp one preacher asked me, did you ride on that or in that? And I said, I, 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 rode, I rode in it. Came into the campground, got out of that pinto, and I heard somebody holler my name, Gary Keller! And it was Brother Moody, and I said, oh, thank you, Lord, you're sending, the, he's bringing that check back. He came over, and he said, 
You're not going to believe it, but he said, our church has been going through a very difficult financial time. And this last week, all the money was spent on the bills. We had no money. Sister Mooney and I had no money. The church didn't have any money. He's telling me this. And he said, and I blew a tire out. And he said, I remembered that check you gave me. And I cashed it. And I went and got the tire fixed. And it cost $49.75. And with the quarter, I bought a tab to drink. Some of you don't even know what a tab is. God supplied the need. And then he said, you need to come and preach us a revival. And from that time in 1974 until 1988, I preached every year, two and three times a year in Muskegon revivals and he paid me well. That $50 turned into hundreds of dollars. And then I took that church and they paid me a million dollars a year. No, they didn't either. I'm just telling you that they provided for my family for seven years. When you go back and look what $50, trusting God, you've got to trust God and God will provide. He will provide. He will defend you. He will deliver you. He will preserve you. And that concludes this podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, please like, share, and subscribe. And for those of you on iTunes, leave us a good rating. Thank you for listening to the NLCC Lancaster Podcast.